Are you willing to examine the traditions and doctrines that you trust in for your eternal salvation? Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I am Don Britton and I will be your host. I will be comparing the modern traditions and doctrines of American Christianity with what the scriptures actually say. You may be shocked to find out that much of what is commonly believed in American Christianity today is nothing more than myths handed down to us by men. So please join me now with an open mind. I want to talk today about our hearing. Jesus said, and so did the prophets say, and so did it say in Revelation, said, if you have ears to hear, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. So I want to talk a minute about that. There are natural ears, there are physical ears, and then there are spiritual ears of the heart. Everybody has the ability to see and hear in the natural realm. In other words, the physical ears gives you natural understanding. And then there are spiritual ears that give us spiritual understanding. Everyone has the ability to understand naturally. You know, you can, through your senses, through your hearing, seeing, touching, tasting, smelling, feeling, you can determine what's going on around you. You can tell when it's hot or when it's cold. You can see the birds fly. You can hear what somebody says or interpret what they say. And you have understanding in a physical sense or in a natural sense. But what my concern and the concern of the Lord is, do you have spiritual ears? And I find a lot of times that we have misunderstandings because someone will be speaking in terms that are spiritual and someone will be hearing in terms that are natural. And so when you hear in terms that are natural, you have a tendency to make what would be a spiritual principle or spiritual value, you have a tendency to make it into a physical law. You know, I've said before, one size don't fit all. What might work for one person may not work for another. And so we have to understand what the heart of something is, what the spirit of something is, and we have to be spiritual people. So only the people who are born again, think about this very carefully, only the people who are really, truly born again by the Spirit of God and receive the Holy Spirit have the ability to have spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding is the ability to see and understand the spiritual meaning of a situation, of a statement, of the Word of God, of a parable or mystery, or is to be able to see something deep, have a deep spiritual meaning instead of just see it surface-wise. Of course, the natural understanding always reduces the Word of God, or any instruction from the Word of God, or any correction sometimes from the Word of God, it reduces it into a law. And then you become law-minded, because all you see is the physical, the fleshly. And so there's a big conflict between the spiritual and the physical, or the spiritual and the natural, because they're in opposition one to another. So we have sometimes trying to explain something spiritually to a person, and they're taking it according to the flesh, as we say. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, He said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you, He said, 
our spirit and life. In other words, Jesus is the Word of God, and the Word of God is spiritual. And if you understand it in the spiritual sense, if you hear the Spirit of God, if you hear it by the heart and not by your brain, you will then have understanding. You know, in the Scriptures it talks about there's temples, and then there's the temple of God. We're the temple of God, but then there's a natural temple. There's a natural Sabbath, and then there's a spiritual Sabbath. There are natural birds of the air, then there are spiritual birds of the air, which are demons. There are natural seeds that are sown, and then there's the Word of God, which is a spiritual seed that's sown. You know, there are wolves in sheep's clothing <laughs> that are spiritual beings, so to speak. They're spiritual beings, and then there are real wolves on the earth. And so a lot of times when we're talking in spiritual terms, if you're not a spiritual person, if you're a fleshly person, you're going to hear, you're going to hear something physically rather than hear it spiritually. And then you're not going to have it. Then there's going to be a misunderstanding or you're going to be offended or you're going to take it the wrong way or you're going to make it into a law rather than understand what God is really saying. In 1 Corinthians 2.14 it says this, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Boy, this is so true. So many times when I've tried to correct someone or instruct someone according to what's true, according to what's right, according to what's wise, according to what's right before God, they take it like I'm trying to take away their fun or their pleasures or they get offended because it touches something they love more than God. So they do not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Someone who's in the flesh, they get offended, they get angry, they get their feelings hurt and so forth and so on. And the reason is it says he cannot understand them. Understand them meaning the, the spiritual things of God. He cannot understand them because spiritual things are spiritually appraised. In other words, if I'm going to, if I'm going to evaluate something, like if you're going to, if they're going to evaluate a house, they send out an appraiser, and the appraiser then, he comes along, he inspects the house, he does his research, and he says, the house is really worth this much. But in a spiritual sense, if we're going to appraise something spiritually, we look at it for what its value is in a spiritual sense, not in a physical sense. And so spiritual things are spiritually praised. So if you have a fleshly mind or a worldly mind, you cannot appraise things in a spiritual sense because you don't understand them. And so you will always be saying things that are contrary to the Word or be being offended by the Word or be offended when you're corrected because you do not understand what God is saying. In Romans 8 verse 5 it says this, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. For an example, if you can't take correction or you can't take advice from a friend or you can't listen without getting your feelings hurt or you get jealous over something or you feel left out or you feel sorry for yourself or you get offended or get angry or whatever, then you're living according to the flesh. And your mind is set on the flesh. 
And the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mind, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the, who are in the flesh cannot please God. So, it says the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. I've run into this many times over the years, trying to help someone who's fleshly to get on the right path and do the right thing, and they would actually become my enemy. They would be angry at me, offended by what I said. They would turn against me. And I've seen this happen over the years many times because they are hostile towards God. They are hostile towards the truth. They're hostile towards the Word of God because they live in the flesh. So the ones whose mind is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. He's hostile towards the Word of God. He's hostile towards wisdom that comes to instruct and correct. And he's also hostile towards the messengers of God. This is the one who is offended when teaching comes that exposes his heart and goes against the desires of his flesh. He is the one, the offended one, is offended oftentimes because he does not have spiritual ears to hear and is living according to the flesh. So God told us to have spiritual ears. Jesus said more than once, he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Where do we get our spiritual ears? I'm going to mention this more than once maybe tonight. Spiritual ears, that is understanding of truth, wisdom, understanding of the Word of God, power over the flesh, all comes from a sincere, wholehearted, totally devoted, 100% committed relationship with God. If you don't have that, you are not born again and you are not on the path of life. And you do not have spiritual ears, but you are living according to the flesh. And the, and the one who's offended, the offended one, the one in the flesh that's hostile towards God, his offense will manifest something like this. Either he will be angry or he will have resentment towards the person who spoke to him. Or he will try to compare himself to someone who's worse than he is to make himself look better. Or he was began avoiding the one who spoke to him about his heart. Or he would just grumble from the heart about that person or about what they said, but have grumbling in his heart. The one who's living according to the flesh may even outwardly submit himself to the instruction, but still grumble in his heart that he or she were not treated right or fairly. And as long as you're still grumbling in your heart, by the way, I want to explain this, you have not submitted to God. It'd be like a 14-year-old boy who wanted to go spend the night with some drug addicts. And his parents says, no! You can't go. Don't you go there. And so the son stays home and doesn't go. But in his heart, he feels like he was done wrong. In his heart, he feels like his parents weren't fair. 
In his heart, he's grumbling against his parents. In his heart, he really didn't submit to the instruction, but just outwardly he went along with it, but his heart didn't go along with it. See, we can't submit to God just outwardly. You know, the Pharisees did that to some degree. He wants us to give him our whole heart. It says somewhere in the scriptures that if we, if a servant only does that which is commanded, he's, he's merely an unworthy servant. In other words, if you're just going to do the minimum to get by, and you're just going to do your duty to God, you're going to serve according to duty, but it's not your heart, then you know, it don't work. It's not satisfactory to the Lord. The Lord wants us to serve Him from the heart. Just like a husband wants his wife to love him from the heart, not just go through the motions, but to give herself to him. So does the Lord want the church to give itself to him, herself to him. He wants the people of God to love him from the heart, to serve him from the heart. It's all about the heart. It's not about the outward thing. It's where's the heart. You can submit outwardly and, and be in rebellion in your heart at the same time by grumbling against the instruction and refusing to agree with it in your heart. So true submission is not just about obeying outwardly. While still being in disagreement with the instruction in your heart, but true submission is when, you're, when you hear the instruction and you accept it in your heart and agree with it in your heart and willingly go along with it in your heart and you do it with gladness and, and thanksgiving and with appreciation in your heart. So submission is always a voluntary act. To submit to the Lord is a choice we can make. For a wife to submit to her husband is a choice she can make. For children to submit to their parents' instruction and wisdom is a choice they can make. For us to submit to the laws of the land is a choice we can make. It's always about the heart. It's always voluntary. If you submit out of duty and your heart's not in it, you're nothing but a rebel to God. Just a rebel. A hypocrite who pretends one thing but whose heart's somewhere else. And it's so ugly and so disgusting. A child that acts like it's in agreement with its parents when it's really not and pretends to be is ugly. A wife that pretends to be on the same page with her husband but doesn't agree with him in her heart when he's done doing what's right is ugly. A church that doesn't agree with the Word of God but plays church, goes in and sings, Oh, how love Jesus on Sunday and does all the rituals and goes home and then lives like the devil the rest of the week is ugly before the Lord. And he hates it. So submission is always something that's done voluntarily and from the heart. So if we're still grumbling in our heart after or about the instruction or the correction that's come to us, if we're still grumbling about it or we're still resentful about it, even though maybe we've gone along on the out, outside like we're going along, then we're still in rebellion to God. And we're in rebellion to His Word. And we're walking according to the flesh. The Lord doesn't want His people just to go through the motions. 
Almost all the religion we see today is just going through motions. People do the, the this, the that, the do, the da. Sing the song. Get up, sit down. Stand up, sit down. And it's meaningless when their heart is far from God. So also, if you're living according to the flesh, then you will interpret sound doctrine. When instruction comes to you, parents talking to their children, giving them the wisdom of God about why they shouldn't be with these certain friends or go to these certain places or be out at these certain hours or do these certain things or listen to this certain music or act this certain way. And it's the same with the children of God. The children of God are also to be subject to their elders and their leaders and their teachers. And when the children of God are being instructed by the elders and teachers not to act this way, not to go this way, not to listen to this, not to watch that, through counseling of wisdom, not through legalistic law compelling people out of fear not to do something, but convincing them according to the Spirit, uh, convincing them in their heart that this is not wise, then those that have the Spirit of God will interpret that sound doctrine or that sound instruction according to the Spirit rather than according to the law. So, remember the children of Israel? They left Egypt and they went along with what Moses said, hey, let's go, let's leave Egypt. They went along with it. And they walked out of Egypt and they walked through the Red Sea and they walked into the wilderness and they were still walking. The whole group were still walking together. But were they together in their hearts with Moses and the Lord. Were they? Were they submitted? No. What they did in their hearts, in their hearts it says they went back to Egypt. They remembered the good food they had back there. They'd forgotten all the terrible things. All they could think was, was like, we have food to eat and something to drink and we can lay down in our houses and sleep. And they grumbled and grumbled in their hearts against Moses and against God. And it says that God heard their grumbles. And He was infuriated with them. He was outraged with them. And He struck them down. He struck them down over the 40 years so that He absolutely killed every single one of them that were adults at the time, leaving only Moses alive and only Joshua and Caleb alive at the end. And even Moses wasn't allowed to go into the Promised Land because he got angry and struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And so he was barred from the promised land. We know he wasn't barred from heaven, but that was, a, that was something the Lord, that was a discipline he had to receive. But the rest of them were killed because they grumbled. So they really didn't submit to the Lord or to his ways. So here's how the Lord felt about that. Deuteronomy 29 verse 2. Deuteronomy 29 2. And Moses summoned all of Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all of his servants and all of his land. The great trials which your eyes have seen, those great signs and wonders. Yet to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. You see, the Lord is the one that gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. If we're rebellious, if we're lazy, 
If we're careless, if we're selfish, if we live according to the flesh, we will not have eyes to see. And here's what's so bad about that. You would think you do. Thessalonians says that the Lord would give them over, because they didn't have the love of the truth, over to deluding influence, causing them to believe a lie. God Himself would cause someone to believe a lie because they would not give Him their heart. And when they're, when they're giving over to deluding influence, they think they're okay. They think they know. They think they see. But they don't. So, because they didn't have eyes to see and ears to hear, here's what the Lord did to those who didn't have the eyes to see and ears to hear, who rebelled in their hearts when He took them out of the land of Egypt. In 1 Corinthians, there's an account of that. Paul is reviewing what happened to them. He said, Nevertheless, with most of them, in 1 Corinthians 10, 5, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased. For they were laid low in the wilderness. That means He struck them down, He killed them. Well, people say, well, you know, that was the Old Testament. And I'm so glad we're under grace now. You hear this today. Well, wait a minute. Let's read the next verse. Now, these things happened as examples for us. These things that happened to them are examples for us today. So that we will not crave evil things as they also craved. He goes on to say, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, were as it is written, the people stood up to the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. He's talking about when, they came, when Moses came down from the mountain and they built the golden calf and they were dancing around it. Well, how do we have idolatry in our hearts today? Just simply like this. By devoting our time, our heart, our thoughts, our resources, our finances, our energy into anything that we care more about than the Lord. So simple. No difference. He goes on to say in verse 8, he says, Nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. The Lord put a plague on them. People were dying like flies because of immorality. He says in verse 9, Nor let us try the Lord, that is test the Lord, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Do you remember that how the Lord sent all those fiery serpents among them? And people were dying like flies. Because they grumbled in their hearts against God. Remember, let this be an example to us today. This is not just history. This is a warning. He goes on in verse 11 to say, or 10, he says, Nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 11 says, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. In other words, it's for us in the last days. This is it. So he's saying, church, wake up. In Hebrews 10, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 3.10, the writer was referring again to what Israel, the children of Israel had done and he says, he's quoting the prophet and says, Therefore I was angry with this generation and said, 
they always go astray in their hearts and they did not know my ways. Now I want to take you to the parable of the sower and the seed. I know you all know it, but bear with me. There's some things I want to glean from this parable. Mark 4, verse 2. Jesus taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns and grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear fruit. Still other seed fell among the good soil. It came up, it grew, and multiplied and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and even some 100 times. Jesus said, whoever has ears, let him hear. And then when he was alone, the twelve and the others came to him and asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those who are outside, they get everything in parables. So that they may, so that they may ever, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So what Jesus is saying, unless somebody comes to me with all of their heart, unless they seek me with all of their heart, unless they repent of their sins with all of their heart, unless they receive instruction and correction with all of their heart, unless they do it with all of their heart, they will never understand what I'm talking about and they will never be forgiven. You see, all those people that were there, and there was a lot of people there, probably a few thousand, several thousand I'd say, and they all heard with their physical ears the story about the seed and the birds and the thorns and the soil, they heard the story, but they did not understand it. And Jesus didn't mean for them to understand it. Only those of His that belonged to Him, only those that had the mystery of the kingdom of God given to them understood it. Only they were the ones that Jesus explained it to. So, you see, all the people heard it, but they really didn't hear it. They really didn't. All those people got healed of their physical diseases, but they didn't get their souls saved. Only the ones that came and sought the Lord to inquire and seek the Lord and follow Him with a whole heart, whole heart only they were forgiven. You see, the parable is talking about something other than a farmer and seed and soil and thorns and fruit. Here's what it was talking about. The spiritual birds were demons. The spiritual soul was the hearts of men. The spiritual seed was the Word of God. The rocky soul was the hard heart with no depth to it. The spiritual thorns were the things of the world. The produce was the fruit of the Spirit. You see, that's what he was really talking about. 
But remember that the flesh, or the natural meaning, does not bring life. Only the spiritual meaning does. And if you're not right with God, you don't get the spiritual meaning. You'll stay in darkness. This is why we have so many denominations today. So many denominations, they're all divided up with all kinds of different confusion about what God wants, how to be saved, what the, what the uh, tradition should be, and so forth. They're all divided up with all this confusion because they are interpreting the Word of God according to the flesh with men's opinions about what it means, what it must mean, how it could mean, and they have no clue what the Lord is saying. Therefore, there's multitudes of interpretations of the Scriptures according to the flesh, according to the natural man, rather than the spiritual understanding. So, let me read what Jesus said about this parable, how He explained it. In Mark 4.13, Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the Word. Some people, some people are like seed along the path where the Word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. They're along the path. It says in one place that they're beside the path. The path is like the path of life. They're not on the path of life, but they're close to it. And some of that seed falls over on them, but it doesn't go anywhere. It's stolen immediately. You know, you could ask them later about what they heard and they couldn't even remember. You ever seen that before? You share something really important with someone, they hear a really important message, and a week later you talk, talk to them about it, and they can't even remember what it was. It was stolen from them. So these are the people who are beside the path of life. They hear the word in a natural sense, but the demons come and take it away. And immediately, as soon as they hear it, it's taken away. It's like they never even heard it. In verse 16 of Mark 4, it says, Others are like the seed sown on the rocky places. They hear the word and at once they say, hey, this is great. I've, I've, had, I've, I've done seminars and people come up and say, oh, this is just wonderful. I've never heard anything like this. And then you talk to them a week later and they've, they've gone back to the world. They forgot all about it. They didn't last. But since they had no root in themselves, they last only for a short while. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Well, let me just tell you some of this trouble that comes. These are the people who hear the Word of God, and they really get excited about it at first, but then, because, but because they are not deeply committed, their roots don't go deep with God. In other words, it's not really down deep in their heart. They have no firm root. They only last a short time when, when the trouble of correction comes. This is what, what I've watched in my 43 years of walking with God. So many times, somebody get excited about this message. Oh, we never heard this before. This is wonderful. And then you find out that they're living in sin or they're living according to the flesh and you start pointing out to them what's wrong in their life. Immediately, this trouble, this is, their, this is what the trouble is that causes them to fall away. Immediately, they back off. You see, as soon as they're corrected, they get offended. Or maybe they fall away because someone close to them, maybe a family member, they start telling them what they've learned. A family member mocks them. And they said, or their friend at work mocks them, or their best buddy mocks them. And they say, oh, I'm not going to let myself be persecuted like this. I'm just going to forget all this and go back to where things were. But they fall away because they are not deeply committed to God. 
Verse 18 says, Still others like seed was sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things choke, come in and choke the word out, making it unfruitful. So these are the people who hear the word and they even agree with it. But they are so caught up in the things of the world, things like worries and fears, the love of money, pleasures of life, social media, music, movies, games, and things like this. They're just so caught up in it. And they're not willing to, to give up their lifestyle. And so all of that stuff that they're caught up in, it chokes the word out and it becomes unfruitful. And the things of the world are the thorns. And they choke out the word of God. And where there's no fruit, there's only death. In verse 20 it says, And others are like the ones whom seed was sown on good soil. They hear the word, they accept it. And produce a crop 30, 60, and even 100 times of that which was sown. These are the ones who have spiritual ears and spiritual eyes. They received their spiritual ears and their spiritual eyes from the Lord when they gave Him their whole heart. And these are the ones who accept correction and instruction. They accept it from their heart. And they're thankful for it. And they do it with, and they receive it without grumbling and complaining. And they set their hearts to agree with God. And to agree with what's right. Even if it hurts them. And they're the ones who bear the fruit of the Spirit. And they bear that fruit over and over and over again. Even if they have to be corrected again and again. They take from it. They learn from it. They grow from it. They overcome through it. These are the few who enter by the narrow way that leads to life. And there are only a few. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3 verse 6, He said, He again, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What the Spirit's saying to the church. And Jeremiah 6.10, this was nothing new all the way back in the Old Testament. Here's what he said, To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me, says the Lord? Their ears are closed and they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them and they find no pleasure in it. So I have some questions for each one of us. Are you offended when you are corrected? And let me just tell you something. You know, some of us, of us as humans don't always correct in the most perfect way. And if you have a problem with the way you were corrected and miss the fact that you should have been corrected, you're living according to the flesh. You don't like the way I said it to you. You don't like the way I looked at you. You don't like the way somebody else said it to you. That's not really the issue with God. The issue is, was it true? Was it true? And what should you do with it? So are you offended when you're corrected? Either by the Word of God or by the messenger of God who points out your wrongdoing or your fleshly ways or your error. Are you offended? Do you grumble in your heart when you've received instruction that goes against what you really want to do even though maybe outwardly you go along with it? Are you offended? 
Do you grumble? Do you feel like you've been done wrong? I'm just asking because if you are, you're living according to the flesh. Do any of us have any unrepentant sin in our lives? Is there anything in our life that's really not right with God? And the sin could be neglect. It don't have to be something you're actively doing. It could be something you're inactively not doing. That you're supposed to be doing. And we know the Lord has given us a lot of instruction on what we should be doing. Have you been offended by anyone? You know, it says in the, in the Scriptures in the Old Testament, it says, Those that love the Lord cannot be offended in any way. Are you easily offended? Do you get your feelings hurt? Do you feel like you've been done wrong? Think about it. If you are, if you do, you're living according to the flesh. If we're offended, we're living according to the flesh. And the Lord comes. How are we going to be able to stand before Him in judgment? How can we stand there? Because our excuses we use with each other, they won't stand before the Lord. They won't work there. So this is a sobering time. The world is falling apart. Have y'all noticed that? The country is falling apart. I'm 75 years old and I quite well remember when we were somewhat of a Christian nation. I quite well remember when there was a respect for the Word of God. I remember teachers having Bibles on their desk and correcting students according to Scripture. I remember there being corporal punishment for those kids that acted up. And they had a good deal of order and control in the schools. I remember when there was no such thing as woke. I can remember when someone who was divorced was kind of an outcast. I remember when families stayed together. I remember when fathers led their families and taught their sons how to do what's right and have a good work ethic. And they taught them how to be ethical and honest and dependable and reliable. I can remember those things. I can remember when people were generally honorable. You didn't have to have contracts written by lawyers. You could go to your neighbor if you were going to make a deal with him. You could shake hands on it. And people trusted each other because generally people were honest. But not anymore. There was no such thing as school shootings. There was no such things as, as t- kids attacking teachers. <laughs> the worst thing a kid would do would be put a frog in the teacher's desk or throw a spitball. But attack them with a knife or carry a gun to school or beat a teacher up or put her in the hospital? It's unheard of. We're falling apart. Our government is corrupt from top to bottom. On the federal level, the state level, the local level. Our churches are corrupt from top to bottom. Paid pastors, tickling ears, collecting tithes that are not even biblical, teaching people lies that all they have to do is accept Christ without any cross, without any death to self, without any overcoming, without any repentance. The word repentance has been left out of the gospel. We're falling apart. Darkness is overtaking this country so fast I expect that the Lord could come any moment, any hour, any day. How far can this go? Are you ready? What if He comes tomorrow? Are you ready? Have you done what He's told you to do? Have you repented of what He's told you to repent of? Have you given up your idols? What do you love more than God? Think about it. One of these days, 
soon, the sky is going to split open all the way around the earth. All the way around the world. At one time the sky is going to split open and everybody's going to see Jesus and everybody's going to hear his thundering voice and see that lightning flashing from his eyes and that double-edged sword that's coming out of his mouth to render judgment and to bring his wrath upon all the wicked and everybody that doesn't know him and doesn't love him with all their heart. It's fixing to happen. Are you ready? That's when men would be so terrified that they would wish they could run to the mountains and that the boulders of the mountains would fall on them and crush them and hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. That's where we're at right now. It's fixing to happen. Are we awake? Are we ready? Jesus said, I'm coming like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I'm coming upon you. And he will appear bringing wrath and judgment on everyone living according to the flesh. Do you have ears to hear? Do you have ears to hear what I'm saying today? Do you really believe that? If you did your life, you'd be in fear and trembling if something's wrong in your life. You'd be getting it right really quick if you really believed it. Do you live like Jesus is coming tomorrow? If not, why not? Could be. Do you have any kind of idol? Anything that has your heart that you just adore? That you, it, gives, it takes your thoughts, your time, your energy, your effort, your money. You, you know, it's got your heart. You love it more than you do the, the Word of God. You love it more than you do the Lord Himself. You love it more than you do the people of God, the church. You put your heart and soul and time into this idol. Do you have it? Do you have one? Is it Facebook? Is it sport? Is it a hobby? What is it? Is it entertainment? Is it music? Is it, is it some pleasure that you desire? What do you love more than God? I'm just a man standing here, and I might be a little bit, I might be a little bit passionate tonight. But you can live through me talking to you like this. But can you stand before the Almighty God and face Him with an idol in your heart? I don't think you want to do that. So if you have an idol, how are you going to survive judgment? So be honest with yourself. What kind of soil are you? Are you beside the road but not really on the path of life? Are you the rocky soil that has no real depth of commitment? Are you the thorny soil that has all the worries and desires and temptations of the world working on your heart? Or are you the good soil? Which are you? Be honest with yourself. Please don't be found wanting the boulders of the mountains to fall on you when Jesus appears. He is going to appear. I just don't see how the world can go much longer. There's wars on almost every continent. We're, our country's battling different terrorists and different factions and different enemies all around the world and other people are battling. you got war after war after war after war going on. The whole world is falling apart. The only peace we can have is to be in a relationship with God. We have peace there. We have hope there. We have life there. 
Don't be found wanting the boulders to fall on you when he comes. So here's my advice. Stop living according to the flesh. Put it behind you. Give your whole heart to God. And seek Him daily. I told someone recently, here's how you can keep from never falling away. Stay in prayer with the Lord at all times. Pray every day. Pray through the day. Talk to the Lord continually. Give Him honor. You should be able to see the Lord when you look at a tree and a leaf, come, a, a leaf coming out of a tree limb and the tree limb coming out of a tree trunk, a tree trunk coming out of dirt, or the cow's over here eating grass and he's manufacturing milk and cheese and buttermilk. Isn't that miraculous? Or a hummingbird can fly at 40 miles an hour and can fly from here to South America. What's going on here except the Lord has revealed Himself in nature and all around us we can see God moving. So everywhere you look, you should be able to see the Lord. Every day you should be able to give thanks and honor to God. Every day you should set your mind on things above and think about heaven and how wonderful it's going to be. The beauty of it, the peace of it. There'll be no more tears there. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no death. It'll be endless. It'll be forever. It'll be everlasting. Wow. And He'll take us there? And all we got to do is give up our life to Him now and give up our sins and the flesh and the world and turn to Him with all the heart. And man, it's just like a vapor that appears here for just a little while and then vanishes. I mean, I'm 75 years old. It just seems like the other day I was 21, then I was 40, then I was 50, now I'm 60, and then I'm 75. I won't be here another 75 years. It went by like a flash. And your life's going to do the same thing. What are you going to do at the end of your life? Is there anything worth it? To miss heaven. So my advice is quit living according to the flesh. Get over your little hurt feelings and your selfishness and your fears and your laziness. Get over it. Do what's right. Serve the Lord with a whole heart. Love your brothers and your sisters as yourself. Love God with your whole heart. Quit compromising. Speak the truth in love. Totally submit yourself to the Lord with all your heart. Surrender yourself to God. And repent of all sin and idolatry. Everything that you know that's wrong, will you turn from it? And let the Lord show you whatever else. If you, if you just walk with Him, He'll show you. You'll be perfectly safe and secure, even if you don't know what's wrong with you, just to put your trust in Him and wait on Him to show you. The children of Israel didn't know everything they were going to encounter in the wilderness. All they had to do was put their trust in Him and let Him take them through the wilderness. We're on the wilderness walk right now. Let's just trust Him. If I need to know something, God's my source. He'll show me. If I need to change with something, He'll let me know. I can't save myself. I can't undo. If I'm even deceived, I can't undo that myself. Only God can help me. He's my hope. He's my life. He's my source. He's my provider. He's my Savior. He's yours too if you put your whole heart in there with Him. So I advise you to embrace instruction and correction. When correction comes, don't run from it. Embrace it. Thank God for it. Appreciate it. Because it, you remember that we read the, recently how correction and instruction is the way of life in Proverbs. It's the way of life. Get over our petty feelings. I'm not nearly as concerned about how you feel about it as I am whether you accept it or not. And God isn't either. He's not worried about your feelings. He's concerned with your soul. 
and appreciate the correction and instruction and receive it with thanksgiving. This is the only way that we're ever going to have ears to hear and eyes to see what the heart and will of God is. So remember that the way to life is narrow and the gate is small and few are those who find it. And let me just tell you this, it's not a matter of luck. It's not that some of those people in the parable of the sword and seed were just unlucky souls and that one guy was lucky. Each one of those hearts chose to be that kind of heart. It's a choice and you can choose to give God your whole heart and love Him with all your heart and follow Him with the whole heart until your last breath is drawn or you can be lazy and selfish and compromise with the world and give in to sin and the flesh and, and lose your life. Jesus said, the one who gives up his life for my sake will find it. But the one that tries to save his life, in other words, he wants to keep things the way they are, get by with what he's getting by with, he will lose his life. Lord, I ask you to stir us up, Lord, to let us be sober in this time of darkness, this evil day. You said in the last days difficult times are coming and men were going to be many things that are very, very evil. And we are here now, Lord. Let us not participate with them, Lord. Let us draw near to you. Let us pray to you every day. Let us stay in your word and let us stay in fellowship. Those three things, Lord, along with your help, will keep us from ever falling away. And Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in you. Because we don't see any hope in this world. We don't see it in our government. We don't see it in the, this, the, this earth in any kind of way. We don't even see it in our old bodies. And we don't see it in the, in the economy. We don't see it anywhere, Lord, but in you. The kingdom of heaven is our only hope. Let us set our minds on those things, Lord. Help us. Help us. We're weak, Lord. Help our minds think about these things. Let us think about heaven and dwell on the things above. And let us seek it, you, Lord, as to how we may please you and serve you with a whole heart. I ask you, Lord, to have mercy on my brothers and sisters here. I ask you to stir us all up. I ask that you would deliver us all into your kingdom if we're only willing. I ask that you'd help us be willing, Lord. I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Great Deception Podcast. You may visit my website at www.christianmyths.org for more information, for my blog, and for my email address. You can also get my book, The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ, on Amazon or on my website. Also on my website, you may download two free chapters of my book. I hope you join me next week as we continue to examine The Great Deception.